This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're listening to the Mostly Harmless Podcast. Or at least you better be. Hello friends, welcome to the Most of the Homeless Podcast, I'm your host, Dammit Damien. Alright buddies, welcome to the show. Boy do I got an exciting adventure for you today, because today we sit down with uh, two mighty fine gentlemen, Mr. Dan Pothast, who you may know from his extensive uh, acoustic solo touring. Uh, he's open for Yo Gabba Gabba, he's toured exclusively, extensively through uh, living rooms throughout America. Um, he's played in the band Dan P and the Bricks. The Stitch Ups, as well as MU330. And, of course, I uh, one of the first punk ska shows I ever saw was 98, 99, maybe. Uh, Tyler, Texas, a place called The Box. It was a storage shed, um, office park, warehouse space kind of deal that would have bands play there. I saw Link 80, MU330, and I'm pretty sure the Blue Minis played that show as well, not to mention whatever local band. It was, it was probably Junction June, to be honest with you. I should go find that flyer and find out. I got it stored away in a box somewhere. But, you know, uh, we talk a little bit about that show today in today's interview. And then we also sit down with Rick Johnson. Rick Johnson, of course, is the owner of Cold War Studios. Um, who have rec- He's recorded uh, three of my favorite records from a little band called Cheap Girls. Cheap Girls has four records out. I, they're good buddies of mine. Anyway, we talk about our relationship with Ian Graham here in today's episode, the lead singer of Cheap Girls. But uh, Rick is also the bass player from Mustard Plug. He's worked with the Stitch Ups as well. Um, and, of course, he is the bass player. Uh, he's done some stuff with Bomb in the Music Industry. So, uh, great episode all around today. We sit down we talk to both of these gentlemen about their new uh, project called Sharkanoid. Uh, the record is fan-fucking-tastic. I love it. It's like a really good... A fun, I want to say throwback record, but it feels original while like capturing something from a moment in time from like the late 90s that really resonates with me. Um, if I am talking way too fast for you, it's because today I, I have the day off today. Um, I drink a pot of coffee. Of course, Most of the Harmless is sponsored by Death Wish Coffee. Visit deathwishcoffee.com. Let them know that uh, Damien at Mostly Harmless sent you. They brew the, uh, they make really really dark high caffeinated coffee uh, Huffington Post did a report on them saying that they had the most caffeinated coffee that you can get in America something along those lines I don't know if it's true or not I just know I drink a pot of it a day and I can see through time and space it also helps make my bowel movements uh, a little bit more regular buddies I know you wanted to know that uh, so those those of you in the old folks home out there who are curious death wish coffee does help your bowel movements uh, good stuff good stuff um, so yeah so about today's interview before we get into it um, I had originally prepared two different interviews i was going to try to interview dan p on his own and do like a career uh overview retrospective kind of deal talk to him about his early musical origins and how they led to him being the person he is today talk a lot about his acoustic stuff and then i had also kind of prepared some stuff for mustard plug um about you know basically i love the idea that all these guys are older um they've got families that kind of restricts them from touring and recording as much but 
and I wanted to talk a lot about fatherhood, how that plays into what they do, um, what it's like to see kids at their shows that are were not born when they started the band, and um, just old man stuff like that that fascinates me because I'm 33 and I'm hitting this weird little place in my life where that's starting to worry me. I don't have kids, can't keep a long-term relationship going at all. And like those those kind of things fascinate me. So uh, a couple hours before the show, I, I'm texting Jim from Mustard Plug, and he's like, "Hey, so uh, we're gonna have Dan and Rick do the interview together. They want to talk about their album Sharkanoid." So it was just a couple hours ahead of time. I tried to merge those two questions uh, together, and of course, I've been listening to so much Mark Marin, and I'm just so confident and sure of myself. I'm like, "Oh man, this is gonna be so easy." And you know, in the moment, it's not as easy as I quite hoped. I wish I had done a little bit more prep work, but we did. We still got some cool, awesome stories from the band. It's just not as flowing as as I like the shows to be. But here's what's cool: is talking to Dan P. I'm gonna be out in in California uh, the second weekend of January to see my buddies uh, Shinobu do their album release show. And I'm going to be traveling around trying to score some interviews while I'm out there. Um, Mike Park has talked about maybe perhaps doing an interview with me. Dan P says he's down. So, uh, we'll see what else, who else we can get going and whatnot. Um, so hopefully we'll get a career overview with him. And then maybe next time Mustard Plug's coming through, we talk to those, those old fogies about being old fogies and, uh, what keeps them young, what keeps them still going. So overall, this is a great episode. Sharkanoid, it's a fantastic record. I hadn't even heard of it until Jim texted me and said, hey, uh, they're going to interview you about this record. Did a quick Google search, found the record. Listened to it two or three times before sitting down with these guys. It's fantastic. It's very, very much, um, again, like a throwback to like the 90s fat um, records, lookout kind of stuff. I love it. I think it's great. Um, and I'm, I'm going to quit rambling because I've rambled enough, and we've got a great episode ahead of us today. So let's go ahead and play a track off that Sharkanoid record. Uh, Have a Great Summer is the name of the record. You can find it on Community Records. Um, I'll throw the links at mostofharmlesspodcast.com. You can go find it. A- again, I really, really like it. I'm really looking forward to uh, the EP they're going to be working on soon that we're going to talk about a little bit in today's episode. Uh, but let's, uh, let's go ahead and play Pillow Fight off Sharkanoid. Have a Great Summer. Let's take a listen, buddies. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be back after the interview to uh, play some more Sharkanoid for you. Let's listen.
Just winging it. Um, so I'm here with Rick, Rick Johnson. Yes. And Dan Pothast. Yes. Pothast. Yeah, you nailed it. Dan, That's how you say it. Yeah. I'm surprised uh, you got my name right. It's pretty difficult. <laughs> well, yours is pretty difficult. <laughs> That's a difficult one. Um, so Rick Ian from Cheap Girl says hello. All right. I was texting him earlier today. Um, okay. uh, the first tour I ever did. Well, I, I used to tour manage, manage Drag the River. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first tour I did with Drag the River, Cheap Girls were the support band, and I've been good friends with them ever since. Cool, I, yeah. I, I texted him. I was like, "Hey, do you have anything you stupid to ask, Rick?" He, <laughs> he laughed at me. Said, "Yes, but no." <laughs> Tell him I said. I I met Ian uh, when he oh. was twelve years old at an Atari show. Oh wow! And uh, I was just like, he was just like this gumpy looking, like kind of like, like who's the fucking twelve year old that looks like a fucking nerd in the back? <laughs> and his dad was there with him. Yeah. Ooh. I met I met Ian when he was selling merch for Mustard Plug. And that's all I knew. <laughs> and then I heard later he had this band. <laughs> like, oh, okay. They're doing okay. You know, <laughs> might have a chance someday. Um, so yeah, he says hello. Okay, cool. Um, let's see. Do you do the business into the Mustard Plug stuff? No. No? I, I don't remember who it was, but when you guys played the Black Sheep last time... Um, or Mustard Plug played the Black Sheep last time, which was, I don't know, about a year, about two years ago. Two years, yeah. I was still, I was, I ran the show. Mm-hmm. I was the bartender manager. So, of course, I'm drinking all night long, so right, I don't right. remember the end of the night very long. But we had a, <laughs> I had a really good conversation with Dave. Dave, probably. Prop, yeah, yeah, Dave, yeah. sounds about right. About uh, the business end of, about, basically, we were making fun of Ian. Okay. It was a good time about how he used to do, uh, Merch for you guys. Yes. Uh, he lost his... You want to hear how he lost his job? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we stopped asking him to do merch because one time he was uh, uh, doing merch for us in Toledo, Ohio. And he was under he was underage and he was fucking drunk as shit. <laughs> and like, probably irresponsible on our part. But uh, he... Uh, he claims he ate a pizza that had like... Uh, uh, what's, what's that? Pepperoni? No, 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 no. no. It's a <laughs> sausage. No, it's a vegetable that you're eating. Oh, um, zucchini. Zucchini. Zucchini on the pizza, and he's allergic to zucchini. So I saw him like sit sit down in the merch, and then in like a plastic cup, just go and throw up into the plastic cup, and then just put the vomit cup in front of him and left it there the whole night. <laughs> I think it's credit for getting it in the cup. I think yeah. that's yeah. You know, could have been worse. Could, I thought you were going to say you puked in your merch bins on all the t-shirts. No, but at least hide the cup. At least <laughs> yeah, hide throw the it cup. Away. <laughs> Take yeah. it to the bathroom. No, if you would have made an effort to hide the cup, fair enough. You would still have a job with mustard plug, <laughs> and like he just wouldn't. You know, he wouldn't be doing. You know, he's really done nothing since. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
his life would have been completely different if he had best best decision he ever made leaving that cup <laughs> on the table. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, how did you two first meet each other? How did you guys come into acquaintance with each other? Do you guys remember your first meeting? The first time you shook hands? First time you made mm-hmm. out? It may. It was either <coughs> in my hometown of Muskegon, Michigan. I booked a show for ME330. Yeah. Or it was in Bangor, Michigan at a show that that band Almost Heroes booked. It was like a weird vets hall next to like a cow patty place. Okay, and we played with yeah, you guys yeah, we with, played with my trucks. Old, yeah, my old band. Yeah. that I remember that, actually. Um, yeah. How long ago was that? A long time, huh? Rick could would be better at answering this. Nineteen ninety nine. What year did that self-titled record come out? I don't know. <laughs> Somewhere late nineties, like ninety nine yeah. or ninety nine yeah. or two thousand. I was let's see. I'm trying to think of which girl I was dating in my career of girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the long, long list. Um, I I don't was, know. I can't help you. Oh. It was definitely 99. <laughs> <laughs> the, my girlfriend at the time really did not like you. <laughs> oh, That's all right. She, she, she wasn't my girlfriend. <laughs> she, 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 she didn't like that. She couldn't understand any words that you were singing. Mm. She was bombed. Aw. Well, yeah. oh, it, well. If I was like Nardwar. I would probably know the answer, the date, the day, the time, the hour. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't put in the work? I'm not. Where's, no, our, where's our presence? <laughs> no, no. I'd like to let you guys do the work. Um, the first time I saw MU330, though, was in a tiny... I lived in Shreveport, Louisiana. Okay, bands, yeah. bands didn't play Shreveport. Mm-hmm. An hour to an hour and a half in Texas, Tyler, Texas, we'd, go, we'd drive the hour and a half to either Longview, Texas or Tyler, Texas. I saw, I believe it was... Uh, Hi, hey, hey, hey! How's it going? How's it going, man? Yeah. Always in a hurry. <laughs> yeah, brother. Really like the old Just showed up. <laughs> right on. Oh, sorry. I mean, no, that's all good. Way, way to go, good. Frank. You ruined everything. Now we got to start again. Voodoo. Voodoo. Um, no, I saw, I saw you guys in a tiny storage shed in Tyler, Texas. Um, <laughs> is that with Link 80? It was with the Link 80. I couldn't remember if it was Link 80 or Blue Minis. It might have been both. Yeah, it could have been both. And I bought my very first LP vinyl that night which was crab ragoon <laughs> and i don't know i don't know why i didn't have a record player i think it was just cheaper than the cd and i wanted to buy something <laughs> you didn't think you, it was a calendar how much are your calendars <laughs> well i mean i'm 33 so i'm old enough my parents yeah had LPs. was that in 1996 it would have been like 98 okay 98 maybe 97 98 yeah. ish and uh, so that was the first LP I ever bought with my own hard-earned money. And again, I think it was just because I didn't have enough for a CD, but I still wanted to buy something, so I bought the LP. And I didn't own a record player until like five years ago, but I still have it. <laughs> first have you unwrapped it? <laughs> it, it is unwrapped because you had right. to pull it out and look at it. Nice. Was, wow. <laughs> was it, did, on that tour, did you guys play in Missoula, Montana, or Bozeman, Montana, maybe? Maybe both. We, I, I think I saw you on that tour. Yeah, could have been. Yeah, there was a tour with Blue Meanies where we played like three shows in Montana or something crazy. I had just got off a camping trip. <laughs> How that and happened? I, and I happened to be in one of those towns, and I saw a flyer at a Seven <laughs> <laughs> Eleven. 
God. It's a good time. Yeah. So rarely were those shows flyered. That's, that's <laughs> I remember the flyer. One success. I remember the flyer was uh, <laughs> where fly, two, flyers work. Two, uh, two fire people shoot hoses. Oh, man. And then the water yeah. spelled your names. It was terrible. I, uh, I still have the flyer for that show. I meant to look for it today, but housework, chores, errands. Um, I'll, I'll send you a photo of it. <laughs> Scan it in. <laughs> nice. If that interests you. Please. Uh, <laughs> so what was the first LPs you guys remember buying with your own money? I know, Rick, you're a little closer to my age. You're, what, 34? Uh, yes. Yeah. Dan, I have no idea how old I'm, you are. Yeah, I'm 42. Oh. So, um, you look great. Thanks. <laughs> I feel like hell. <laughs> no, um, wow, you go for you go first. I'll think. The first record I bought with my own money, I bought two at the same time, and it was uh, Nina '99 Luff Balloons, nice, and Tears for Fears song from the Big Chair. I think the first album I bought was Kiss Destroyer. Awesome. Oh, that was much better. What <laughs> I just remember how it smelled. It smelled like the, uh, like when you opened up baseball cards, like the ink, like the fresh ink. I sniffed that record a lot. <laughs> Do you still have that record? Yeah. I think my brother wound up nabbing that. I think he might have that. I don't know. I have to look for that. <laughs> I, uh, so today, like while cleaning the house and doing stuff, I listened to interviews that you guys did. I listened to a really great one that you did with uh, a local reporter backstage in a room. I think it was you. Was it the one where I was like, she was just talking yeah. and I was just like, yep. She was like, you guys are kind of like a punk rock band. And I was uh, like, yep. <laughs> she was very sweet and very into it. But uh, <laughs> wait, one of the common themes was over and over and over again, why do you think ska is still popular, so popular? What is the state of it? I, I don't care. <laughs> uh, but I want to say like my, my own thought is, is I, it seems to still resonate with people. It's fun. You guys seem to have a good time. It's a, like, a joyous occasion. And we're a little bit older. You're 34, 42. Yeah. How does it feel to still be doing this after so many years and still having fun at it? I assume <laughs> you have fun. With the exception of the barbecue you ate last night. <laughs> well, we both ate the barbecue. <laughs> I, I love playing Sky. I always have. And, like, it's, I just think it's funny. Like, I don't know. When ME330 started, like, early on. Hey, how's it going? Hey, buddies. Right on. Hey, hey, how's it going? Yeah, okay, <laughs> right on. It's all good. Um, but I, we were always the odd band on the bill yeah. for a long time because there weren't a whole lot of ska bands in, like, early 90s, you know, 91, 92. There there's weren't that many bands touring and playing. So we'd get on a band's with, uh, bill with, like, a hardcore band, a punk band, and, and like, we were the weird one with horns, and that was fun, you know, and I, I dug that. And then, like, I don't know, as far as, you know, went through that wave of getting, you know, super popular, and then you, every show you played was a ska fest, and there'd be eight or nine bands, and, and by the time, I feel like people would be fatigued by the end yeah. of the night, like, so many out-of-tune horns in one evening, <laughs> there's only so much you could take. And, like, I don't know, I... uh so I think a lot of bands got away from it. You know, started doing other things at that point, and like, um, but it's all—it's just so fun to play. Like when now when I play with my band, The Bricks, it's—it feels like this, just like indulging guilty pleasure <laughs> to to play music with those guys because they've been all been doing it a long time and are you know solid at it. So it's just just fun. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah, I'm hitting this weird point in my life right now. I'm going to project on you guys a little bit where people are like, yeah. so, like, I work at Whole Foods, I'm a uh-huh. supervisor. People are like, when are you going to grow up, get a real job, put away the hobbies? But I don't want to. I want to keep doing it both. Do you guys have issues with that? Struggling to balance the both? Like, I know you own your own recording studio. Yes. Uh, <laughs> my girlfriend always tells me that no matter what I do, everything just works out. Yeah. So, like, I, I own a recording studio and I work in a really good rock venue or venue. Uh, and uh, I don't do anything but that. You know, like, every. It's really weird. Like, the past five years only my whole income has always been through like a musical endeavor which is crazy (laughs) and terrifying um but people people for me have just accepted it like uh that's how it's going to be um the only people that don't are like weird high school people that i meet at the venue that i work at they're like oh you're still doing this i'm like yeah and then they'll be like i'm a doctor cool (laughs) Can you give me free tickets for that show? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, if I knew you worked here, I would have just hit you up and tried to get on the list. But you're a doctor. God yeah, you're it. a doctor. You're a biologist. You can pay the $10 that the show costs. Yeah, for, for me, a lot of my music friends have gotten married <coughs> and had kids. And they're like, oh, have you have you tried like online dating? Maybe you'll find the right one there. And it's like, <laughs> I'm not looking, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Dan, what do you do in real life? In the yeah, real life when you're um, home? it's it's mostly music these days. I uh, I work at a restaurant one day a week when I'm home and try to fill in for other people. You fill in shifts when I can when I'm home, but mostly working on music. It's as of like even this as recently as this last year, year and a half, two years got pretty busy for me. Um, but I think that that happens as a result of like Rick, you know, like like was saying like how oh shit just always works out, you know. But like the ticket that you to get into this like world is you sidestep a normal career, right. like going going to school, going to uh, you know starting a career that you you, know, you just dedicate your life to, you know. I've sidestepped that because, like, I've always had these opportunities gradually popping up. Like, oh, your band can go to Japan this year. All right, I want to keep doing this. That's awesome. <laughs> and then another like adventure comes up. Like, like, oh, I got invited to go tour with a band from Canada and Australia or something. <laughs> okay, awesome. I'm there. And like, like, I mean, but I feel like the like I said, like the ticket to do that is like, you know, I don't. I don't have you know four hundred one k happening. Right. I don't have like these these things that you know most normal people have. <laughs> you know, there's there's no safety net. But at the same time, like up to now, like I've gotten to experience some crazy crazy stuff and been super lucky. You know, and and, um, and part of it's luck, and part of it is just like putting like everything like. You, Putting all your bets into it, yeah. you know, it's like all, all right, nothing. just committing. Yeah, you know, it's, I'm gonna do this. So, and it's, I don't know. I I tend to not have. I'm not that good of a planner per <laughs> se. <laughs> I plan things like things have happened pretty chaotically, and for me, like 
I, as far as releases, like I bounce between putting out a ska record, a punk rock record, a, a quiet solo record, a rock and roll record. Like I don't know, I don't have some planned attack. <laughs> it's, like, it's more just like okay, I go do this adventure. Like I'm on tour with Voodoo and Mustard Plug. I'm going to go home and try to write and create, and whatever comes out, I record it and try to release it through some means, and then see what happens next like I I feel like some people have a, even like when they go out their music have a more like planned approach I don't know what I'm doing as far as like planning my career or anything but I'm having a good time you know so and it comes through too yeah music and everything yeah um, I talked to a couple people like uh in myself included, like I have a hard time giving this life up. Do you find yourself addicted to it? Do you, is there kind of an addiction quality to this world that you guys are living in? You know, um, in, for example, like I, I can't hold a steady relationship because it's more important <laughs> to me to go to that show on Friday night than well, you just out. haven't <laughs> found the partner that right. wants to, to go to the show or yeah. wants to do something else that is you know, like yeah. like awesome. Go to the show because I have other stuff to right. do. Um, yeah. One of the uh, one of the guys in the bricks, his his partner is always saying he's like, uh, when I go on tour, like we practice every Thursday night, and he's like, he's like, you need to come back from tour so Matt will start going to band practice again because <laughs> I miss my me time on Thursday nights. <laughs> so so yeah, you gotta have uh, you gotta find that person that works with. <laughs> and it sounds like you've done. You're married, right? <laughs> yes, you've done yeah. pretty well. How about you? You working on pretty pretty married, but I'm not married. Yeah, <laughs> I've dated my girlfriend for like 12 years. Oh, so. well, you got it. It's, it's hey everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just hanging out. <laughs> um, it's a Cold War Studios. Yes, I didn't say that quite right. That's Cold fine. War Doesn't matter. Studios. <laughs> um, how long have you been recording, man? Uh. Since '99 on and off, nice. Which was the reason I started doing it was I couldn't. The bands that I was in couldn't afford to uh, go to a real spot, and so what my old band would do would buy a piece of gear and then make a record on that piece of gear, and then recoup the piece of gear and then try to make another record where we buy another piece of gear to go with the piece of gear. And I just kind of inherited all that stuff once those people st- decided to be adults. <laughs> how how, uh, how full-time is it when you're at home? Pretty full-time. Yeah. Uh, typically, I work 10-hour days. Split between that and I do front of house at a venue and work at a venue. Between, between that. Which uh, venue? It's a place in Grand Rapids, Michigan called the Pyramid Scheme. Okay. Not familiar with that one. Uh, sorry, it's okay. Sorry, you're you're from Colorado. Yeah, but I've toured I, a lot. I've toured a little bit. It's, it's newer than the last time you were probably toured. Cool. It's like four, three years old. So. Sorry to interrupt you guys. This green room space. Oh, dude, well, I've had it. They're with us. They're doing all the work. <laughs> um, you've done. Uh, Three of the four Cheap Girls releases. Yes. What other? What, what else have you worked on? Uh, a bunch of stuff that you probably never nah. heard of. Uh, 
Currently, I'm mixing uh, a Ball in the Music Industry live record that's taking a really long time because it's very difficult. And you uh, played in Bomb a little bit, too, right? I did uh, when they needed it. I, I played on a bunch of records of theirs, too. Um, trying to think of notable things that... I mixed, I mixed a couple... I mixed a Dan Pothas, Thomas... Yeah, that split. split. Did some stuff. The last record. I yep. recorded the last <laughs> muster plug record. Forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. So, a lot of stuff. So, it all so, runs together. So talking about that muster plug record real quick, like it's seven years between releases. It takes a long time when you have children yeah. and jobs and. What, would you we we basically get together sometimes on Mondays yeah. and write songs and maybe practice. Typically, it's Mondays and drink beer and then play a couple songs by the end of it. So, if you divide seven, (laughs) how how many Mondays are in a year? I'm free. 52. 52. So, if you divide 52 by seven, right? Yeah. Or. Why are you dividing by seven? 52 weeks a year. 52 times seven. Seven days. Oh, shit. 12. (laughs) Fuck. Oh, yeah. It, it seven years. We're not the most time. Time. It comes out to about ten minutes of practicing, basically. Factor in all the beers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it it takes it takes a while because we don't spend that much no. time on it. So it doesn't have anything to do with like because I have friends that own recording studios and they're perfectionists. Where it's like, oh no, that no, sound no, is no. wrong. <laughs> We're gonna spend another year working. My maybe my asset and downfall is that I don't like. I don't want to, like, I'm more of into capturing how it actually, what, you know, like, is versus, like, a perfection. Like, if something's good, I'll be like, keep it. I'll usually get in arguments with people about, like, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> like, you're going to miss something cool, you know, like, it, I think that's kind of what's wrong with a lot of recordings is that everything has to be perfect. Like, everything, drums are aligned to a grid, vocals are tuned, everything's tuned, like, it's not how it's not exciting to me. It's not how like I grew up. The records that I grew up listening to aren't like that, you know. Like and the, how I started recording is not like that. Like I started recording on a four track and like warts and all. That's what's cool, you know. Like definitely, it didn't take seven years because of, of perfection. <laughs> Just being adults. Uh, being, it took seven years because we're adults. Hey, quote unquote. <laughs> So you two just put out a record. Yes. Was That's it? something else you yeah. recorded. I did record yeah. that. Nice, nice, and nice. You two album? I did. I'm the reason I for all the problems. Good. All the iTunes problems. I thought problems. you were going to go with that. <laughs> Perfect setup. Yeah. It was yeah. solid. Yeah. <laughs> forcing on everybody's phone. Is <laughs> that you doing? That, you, you I doing sat down with yeah. Apple and was oh, like... <laughs> Yeah. We have the power <laughs> to give it to everybody. Just got that. <laughs> Took a second. So you it's guys, a, it's a long, long thinker there. So you guys met in '99 at that one show yeah. we talked about yeah, earlier. '99, 2000. Yeah. And and then what what led to this initial collaboration for Sharkanoid? Yeah, right. Is that yeah, how it, yeah. nailed it. I'm um, getting all the names right tonight. That's a first. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I think. Rick and I were both writing songs, and he had the idea, like, like that if we send stuff back and forth, that we kind of push, push each other to 
right, and yeah. and, and uh, I think he came up with the idea. <coughs> I, from, s- I stole the stole idea. it from <laughs> Guided by Voices. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> On the early Guided by Voices records, there's a uh, a lot of the songs are written because Bob Pollard found a. Yearbook, and he just picked people at random out of the yearbook and wrote songs about, like, or used their images as inspiration because, like, all the songs that he wrote don't mean anything no. to the people. Uh, whereas our our songs, we just wrote songs about what we think the people are doing now. And it's utterly depressing. All the yeah. songs are depressing. So it was, yeah, so Rick was like, "Let's write, let's look at yearbook, write a song about that person, you know, whatever comes up, comes up, you know." And uh, we make demos and like email them back and forth, and then sometimes tweak the other person's a little bit, or I guess a little bit, not too much. Um, but anyway, and then just Rick got a drummer, right? <laughs> also, that process was like six years ago, yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> we were seeing each other a lot, like either going on tour together that, yeah. or like. Uh, just going you know, seeing each other so I was like let's write it we'll eventually we'll just be in the same place at the same time which didn't happen for six years yeah <laughs> and then it happened nice what I like about the record is it has a it, it feels like something that and forgive me for saying this younger people would have written you know somebody in 99 would have written recording ah. was, you know, well it's all about people Right. It's all about people when they're 17 or 18. Yeah. Uh, so, so how do you find the energy to translate into that record? Did it just come out writing about these imaginary people? Uh, sort of, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I <laughs> think so. I mean, that's a good answer. I think you don't so, know. like, it's interesting just looking at a face that you don't know and, and like, trying to, to write a story around it, you yeah. know, or... in. Usually it was just like the first thing that popped in your mind about it, and just like go with that. And and uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it was actually it, the songs came really quick that way. Once we had a plan on how we were going to do it, I we I feel like the that demo process when we were writing songs happened quickly. It was like two weeks. Yeah, where everything was all done. Yeah. So I think that's a cool way to do it to narrow down. It. Your your plan, rather than like sitting down and like, all right, I got all afternoon. I'm gonna write a song. I've got I could write about anything in the world, and then you don't write anything because it's too it's too much yeah, right. to think about. <coughs> too but, big an idea. But yeah, like I think for me that was it was such a cool idea. Like it just it helped me focus and just like knock them out. Where did the uh, yearbook come from? My yearbook came from my girlfriend. Ah. And my yearbook came from my wife. <laughs> it was so awesome. interesting. Like uh, one, uh, one song of mine came from my yearbook, but that doesn't matter. I ended up meeting a couple of people that I wrote songs about at my girlfriend's high school reunion, and it was weird. They're doing much better than the song would lead, lead you to believe. <laughs> but yeah, for me, it was important to not know the people. At all, not to have a real story to go with it. Yeah. It was better just, to, you know, based on superficial facial features. <laughs> yeah, right on. This um, guy's a jerk boss. She loves cats. <laughs> you know, come on. <laughs>
<laughs> how it went. It's good and it's fun and it's I don't know. I liked it. I, I I'll be honest. I hadn't even heard of it until today when I got the text going like, oh Dan and Dan and Rick put a record out together. They'll do an interview with you. I'm like, oh shit, I should go. Well, that's how we like, we like to keep it under the radar. <laughs> yeah, no, but it was really good and I can't wait to uh, promote the hell out of it. <laughs> right on. Um, so these guys look like they want to enjoy this room, so I'll wrap this up. Uh, how, what, what is it like being in the van with these guys, and what is it like having him? Like have, you guys have done this a little bit before with Dan in the van. This is a new uh, thing. Y- yeah, I have crashed their van a few times. Um, we did a Sky's Dead tour together. Oh, yeah. um, like uh, Canada and West Coast and up to Colorado together, and um, that was like the second. Scott, first or second Scott's Dead? I don't know. One of those early Scott's yeah. Dead. So, yeah, we've done touring. And then MU330 did some touring with Mustard Plug as well. So, um, so far, so good. They have not kicked me out and <laughs> told me to walk. I can't imagine. can't imagine. <laughs> it's, oh. only, it's only been two drives. Anything <laughs> could happen. It's early. <laughs> uh, so, I know in some of the tours I've gone on, they've... I've just been merch guy, tour manager, but they're like, hey, it was really great having you on tour because you added an extra dynamic. Does he add, like, something good or bad to the <laughs> the equation here? I'll cover my ears. <laughs> you want to be honest. Their <laughs> rivalry is really good for <laughs> games and stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they have a pretty, pretty strong pinball Rick gets rivalry. really upset when I beat him at pinball all the time. <laughs> so got to so find the right machine, man. <laughs> gotta find yeah, you got to find machine. one you can beat me on? Is that what I, you mean? I can beat you on. <laughs> Hey, if I had all night, happen- if I had all night to be working on that Adams Family machine last night, I could have done didn't, it. I didn't have any less time than you. I had a longer set. <laughs> or, okay. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the new record, the new Mustard Plug record just came out. Uh, I got it written down. Can't January 2014. Can't, can't contain can't it. Can't contain it. It's already on Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good record. It's a good record. Um, are you guys going to be out this way again? Any idea, gentlemen? Are we going to in the future? Muster plug Still summer getting, tours. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Right yeah. now. Yeah. Well, right now. I know. <laughs> yeah. Just lame wrapping it up questions. <laughs> My apologies. Like, Hopefully, the so. wrapping up I didn't think over. As long as as long as Denver is still here and nobody in the band dies, we'll be nice. back. Nice. 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 Uh, Dan, what are you, what are your plans coming up? Um, you gonna go home and write some stuff? Uh, yes, always that. That's always the plan. Go home and write more music. Uh, no, after this tour, uh, we end in New Orleans, and then I'm gonna ride with Buster Plug up to Grand Rapids, and we're gonna be there for a week. Me and Rick are gonna work on uh, another Sharkanoid, uh, maybe EP, I think. Yeah. And then he's gonna help me mix my new solo record while I'm there, and Sharkanoid's gonna play our very first show. <laughs> Grand Rapids at the Pyramid Scheme, and uh, so yeah, and then I got a bunch of other stuff coming up. Like, nice. Down but in the immediate future, that's what's shaking. So. Cool. Well, yeah. uh, have you guys played with each other outside the studio before? Like in, in, kind of, in uh, rock bands? Yeah. Uh, I did a tour, two tours. <laughs> yeah, you did. In yeah. Dan's other band, the Stitcher. Oh, nice. As a hired gun. Uh huh. And here we go. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, I think so. Then we did those solo tours. The one with play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he was doing the rock and roll machine, and I was playing solo, we did that together. But uh, this will be the yeah the first like collab. Yeah, collab, collab. totally cool. 
That's yeah. Why, where we've each written songs and yeah. Well, gents, uh, we'll let we'll let you guys enjoy right. your pre show time. Thanks Sorry for having me. Oh, whatever. Sorry for yeah. They're not sad. Are you guys sad? No. Uh, it's yeah. amazing. It's good. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll we'll see you out there. All right, thanks, man. Thanks. thanks. <laughs> well, all right, buddies. Dan P, Rick, thanks for hanging out and chatting. And uh, thanks for putting out a killer, killer record with Sharkanoid. Have a great summer. I've, I've listened to it three times a day. I really, really enjoy it. Highly recommended. We're going to play a song from that here again at the end of this episode. So stay tuned and give that a listen. Um, again, thanks to the dudes from Mustard Plug for hanging out there at the very end. Kind of threw off my game a little bit. You know, I do these live interviews um, sometimes where I do it in front of a live studio audience. But in those moments, I channel my inner Conan O'Brien and Johnny Carson and try to entertain that audience. So it's a little weird to be in the middle of doing like a one-on-one or in this case, one-on-two interview and then have a room full of people come and just watch you and stare at you and judge and judge you. And buddies, I got nervous and I ended the interview early. I could have kept going. I could have kept going, but I got nervous. I got so nervous. I'm so sorry. <laughs> But thanks for tuning in and checking out. Uh, hopefully soon we'll be able to get uh, the full band from Mustard Plug in on one of these interviews and doing uh, talking about uh, their career. Hopefully when I'm out in California we'll be able to get Dan P. on a, on the microphone and do a career introspective with him. But until then, we got this Sharkanoid interview, and it's pretty great. Uh, it was a killer show that night. I wasn't feeling all that good. I've been battling seasonal uh, seasonal depression, but uh, I feel like today I've come through it. But then again, I also drank a pot of Death Wish coffee. Death Wish coffee curing Damien's depression since, uh, I don't know, last year. DeathWishCoffee.com. Tell them most of the harmless podcast sent you. And while you're at it, visit mostlyharmlesspodcast.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Like us on Facebook. Send me some hate mail. I read every email I get. Um, I'm not really good at replying to them, but I get them all. And uh, buddies, thanks for tuning in and checking out. Uh, we just celebrated our fourth year anniversary i can't believe i've been doing this for four years it's been an adventure and thrill of a lifetime thank you for being a part of it uh i'm gonna quit rambling because that's all i seem to do when i drink a pot of coffee is a ramble into a microphone hopefully if you've made it this far well boy i got a treat for you because we're gonna play one more song off uh the sharkanoids record have a great summer it's out now on community records you can find that by a quick google search of sharkanoid or you can uh, just visit mostlyharmlesspodcast.com and i'll have the links in the uh body of the uh, Sharkanoid interview post. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so this is a track. I think it's Jeff Rosenstock from Bottom of the Music Industry is on this track. It uh, doesn't really say. It just says that him and Laura Stevenson play a part on this record. Uh, again, great record. Check it out. Community Records. Sharkanoid. Have a great summer. Uh, we're going to end this episode with Fall Into Shame. Thanks for tuning in, buddies. We'll see you in the funny pages. All right. Fascination. Top, yeah, straight to the top. I strap for the top, yeah, straight to the top. The call.
yeah, straight to the top. I strive for the top, yeah, straight to the top. They call it my name. I got the talent, oh, I got the game. There's no one to blame for the steps that I take when I fall into shame. They're calling my name.